0: Today we celebrate the feast of St. Lawrence, and one of the ways we can tell the relative sort of importance of a given saint is liturgically what's going on with that person. And in the history of our liturgy, St. Lawrence has got, there's a lot to him, and so he must be a really important guy, and as he was, he was very celebrated, uh, very, very celebrated big time in the 4th century, 5th century, 6th century, around that time period. He's, he lived in the, in the third century, so around the year 250 he was martyred under the emperor Decian. And, uh, Decian, or Decian, uh, was one of these guys who did a pretty organized, widespread persecution against the church at that time. Sometimes persecutions were just local and they were sporadic, but other times it came from the top, highest top down and it was organized and it was empire-wide. Uh, Diocletian is the famous uh, one where that happened under Diocletian in the early 4th century, but Decian did the same thing around the year 250. And so uh, the emperors were, were still located in Rome itself at that time, and so they went directly after the pope, and they went after. You see, the popes at that time, what would happen is their most important... Um, Right hand man, almost the kind of minister of, uh, of, uh, state would be a deacon, actually. And then usually that deacon would be sort of nest, next in line to become the next pope. Uh, the deacons, uh, that was the case because the deacons, they took care of the money, you know, and as we know, money's real important. So, but, uh, but the deacons were known for their charitable works, okay. So, uh, and Rome in particular was known for its charitable works to, for the poor. And whenever there were Christian slaves off in um, uh, the mines that were made to work in the salt mines in foreign lands, which is a very horrible, horrible fate, uh, and there were many Christian slaves that that was their lot on, in this life. Rome would send relief to them and charity to them, so forth and so on, and take care of these these very destitute people. Lawrence was known for for taking care of the destitute, taking care of the poor, and there's some famous stories. Uh, about him in connection with this I I might have preached this last year I can't remember um, but he uh he was brought before the emperor and the emperor said to him I want you to bring me all the treasures of the church and so he says okay give me a few days and so he shows up the next time he shows up before the emperor he's got all of the po- these all this huge group of poor people <laughs> And, and, you know, it was very frustrating to the emperor. And I, I think, um, Lawrence was kind of a wiseacre, actually. He was kind of, he had a sense of humor. And, and believe it or not, his sense of humor even manifested itself right in the midst of him being martyred and tortured. Horrendously tortured. Uh, it was said that he was, um, martyred, he was killed by putting, by, by being put on a human-sized grid iron. Okay? and and basically cooked over fire and the the tradition has it that he said to the emperor while that was happening to him turn me over i think this side's done can you imagine that so it's that kind of fortitude that the martyrs showed that made the pagans go wow there's something to this and it, you know we converted the whole the whole roman empire at that time because of the great fortitude of the martyrs Today in our reading from 2 Corinthians, St. Paul is talking about generosity towards the poor. And uh, so he, he it's interesting, St. Paul says, God loves a cheerful giver, not one who gives with sorrow. And so I started this morning just meditating upon sorrow. Um, this Mass today is being said for my mom, my mom who just passed away, and you know, there's always sorrow and grief when when a loved one goes, uh, it passes on. so, you know, meditating upon sorrow, there's... In the moral life, in the spiritual life, there is room for sorrow on a couple different levels. Um, I'm reminded of the Beatitude. The second Beatitude says, uh, Blessed are those... Uh, well, it's the second Beatitude in some manuscripts. It's the third in some manuscripts. But it's the, it's the Beatitude that says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And why why is the mourning here? Why? why? And the Beatitudes describe very, very holy people. So why are these really holy people? Why are they mourning? Why, why are they full of sorrow? Well, there's a number of things. You get sorrow for sin. You look back at your sins, you're truly repentant, that necessarily involves sorrow. So sorrow for sin. Also, even the most holy people in this life, they're still going through a process of purgation or purification whereby God, through the different trials that he sends them in life is trying to get them to become detached from earthly goods. See, earthly goods are good. There's nothing wrong with them. But the problem is because of our sinful fallen nature, we have a tendency to attach ourselves to them, to invest ourselves in them too much in an unhealthy way. Okay? If we were all perfectly holy and angelic-like and there was no sin and we weren't fallen creatures, we would be able to enjoy earthly goods in such a way that they were perfect springboards up to the highest good, that is God. And there would be no competition or conflict between earthly goods and the highest good, which is God. Okay, There would be perfect harmony between earthly things and heavenly things. So there would be a problem. But the problem is not with earthly things, the problem is with us. And what happens is we just start to love these earthly things too much in a way that actually impedes our ascending to the highest good, so that we don't love God as much as we should. And so the whole of the spiritual life is a process of God trying to get us to become detached from earthly things, so that our love for God would be uh, full. And if we haven't learned our lesson uh, in this earth at the time we die, then afterwards we believe that's one of the functions of purgatory, is, is a process of continuing to detach ourselves from earthly goods so that the love of God that's in our hearts through baptism would be able to flourish and really take over our person and be the reigning principle and not be in competition with any uh, earthly good. Now in that process of detachment from earthly goods there can be sorrow. There can be sorrow. And so sorrow is a natural part of the spiritual life. But we have the assurance from that Beatitude, it says, blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted, that God, in place of our sorrow, sometimes at the same time, sometimes after, gives us the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And that's what the Holy Spirit is called in the Bible. It's called the Paraclete, which means, it's a Greek word which means, the Comforter. Isn't that neat? So the Holy Spirit, it's, one of its main titles is the Comforter. And so in place of some of these earthly things that we've loved too much that we are in the process of becoming detached from, maybe God takes them away from us, Okay, something happens and he takes them away from us, so that we would be detached from them, whatever it might be, there's this sorrow involved, but then in place of that sorrow, and sometimes at the same time as that sorrow, God gives the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit's job, so to speak, uh, towards us on this earth. And we see... Uh, well, another source of sorrow, okay? No, this is now a bad source of sorrow. You don't want to have this kind of sorrow. Is It's called the sorrow of uh, the vice of sloth, okay? And so what this means is this. We anticipate a certain amount of effort that we need to put into the spiritual life, okay? A kind of hard work that we need to put into the spiritual life. And the anticipation of that hard work makes us sorrowful. Okay, So that's called, technically in the Greek, it's called acedia, or it's known kind of in more common language as the vice of sloth. So the vice of sloth is not necessarily that you're lazy in general, but it means you're, you're kind of lazy when it comes to work that has to do with spiritual things and the outworking of your own salvation. So that kind of sorrow, if you've got that kind of sorrow, you kind of want to say, hmm, that's not a good sign. Okay, let me try to, you know, put the work in that I need to, to let that process of purification take place. And if in the midst of that you, you experience that sorrow of detachment, no, no problem, no big deal. Don't worry, the Lord is going to give the Holy Spirit to you to comfort you. Okay? And the comfort of the Holy Spirit is way better than any kind of comfort we can have from earthly things. You know, I think in our day today more than ever, because we're, in Western society, we're very much insulated from, like, serious hardship that most human beings in the history of the of the human race have encountered, like war and famine and pestilence and all of these really big problems, um, having to eke out your living as a slave, for example, in a salt mine, that's a pretty bad life, right? We're insulated from that kind of stuff. And uh, because I, I think that kind of puts us at a spiritual disadvantage sometimes, and we become kind of spiritually weak and lazy. We And if we're not Christian, we don't really live by the gospel, we lose sight of that heavenly reward and that heavenly hope. And the only thing we hope for are earthly things. And when we don't get them, we're especially sorrowful. And so what we do to basically compensate for these losses, which are really not that much of a loss, but they seem like a big deal for us, as we go and we do all of these things that give us pleasure, okay, and today the big thing of course is sexual sin, alright, and people seeking pleasure in that. What it is is a substitute for the Holy Spirit, for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And so if we understand that oh, the real comfort and the real reward is, is a heavenly and eternal one, and that's our hope, we, we kind of the, the early things start to be put into perspective, and yet there's some sorrow in letting go of them, but it's not so bad. And instead, we're filled with the grace and the joy of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Paraclete. Saint Lawrence, I think, really embodied all of this. Is what I'm talking about, such that he could have joy and peace right in the midst of him being killed. All right, and that's an amazing testimony if you read all the ancient accounts of the martyrs. They they have this remarkable thing where their face is full of, of light and peace and joy. They look like angels as they're going to their deaths. And and if they're weeping, they're weeping for joy. And uh, the Lord is close to them in the midst of horrendous, horrendous physical tortures. The Lord is right by their side, giving them comfort and peace. And so in an extreme example with the martyrs, so also for us in our lives. If we love God and if we order all our life towards the love of God and we strive to take earthly things and put them in their proper place and their proper perspective and not to be attached to them too much and to let go of them if we have to, that comfort is going to be there for us and that joy and that peace and the Lord will will be by our side um, helping us kind of put all these earthly things in perspective St. Lawrence is a great example of that. So we ask for his prayers today in our, in our life that, that might be so for us through his intercession.